Episode number 50 of Broadcaster Hour. I'm Roger Hoover with you from Mountain Brook, Alabama. We've got Kyle Crooks from Gainesville, Florida. And Kyle, can you believe it? Started in April 2020. We're now in August 2021, and we've had 50 episodes of this show. I can't believe it. I remember the phone call that you you gave to me, and I think it might have been early April, right? Of of and early in the pandemic, you said, "Kyle, you know we we talk all the time about broadcasting. Let's let's kind of do this, but in a live format." And I think it's it's gone pretty well. We've had a good reception. I can't believe five zero. We got to get a like a patch, or I don't know, Roger, like a, a graphic for this episode where you can put a nice five zero in the upper right corner. And uh, this could be the the perfect this when the broadcaster hour DVD comes out one day, <laughs> this will be the the fiftieth episode, the the ultimate fiftieth episode. Yeah, it's hard to believe that uh, we started again back in April of 2020. As Kyle mentioned, we were just on the phone because, and at that point. The COVID pandemic, of course, has been tough to go through, and we're still in the midst of it 50 episodes of the show later. But, uh, you know, if we go back to that time, and if we go back to episode number one, where we're talking just like this, and this is what this episode's going to be, just kind of a free-flowing conversation on things we've learned about the show and what we hope uh, is coming up in the future for our own broadcast along with Broadcaster Hour. But, you know, back at that time, we were just stunned that we didn't have games to call because both of us had very full plates in spring 2020 that all of a sudden became very empty. Yeah, and it's one of those things, right, where, you know, we didn't know if it was going to come back. We didn't know if we were going to have jobs, essentially, you know. So he, it was uh, it was a very, very tough time um, for us, for you, for me, just kind of figuring out what this was going to be, what our future was going to look like. And, um I think what this this podcast, what this podcast helped do is just kind of, I don't know, fill the void of not being able to call games, not being able to have that live atmosphere of of being at a game and and just talking this out and, and trying to find ways to get better. Um, and, and I think we did that through 49 episodes and 49 guests. Um, this was this was one of those ventures that Roger I don't. I don't think we knew how well it would go. Uh, I guess, um, and and over time, it, it definitely um, proved that it, it's something that it, one that broadcasters are willing to help. I, I think that's the one thing that we've learned throughout all this, is that you know when we've reached out to most of the guys and, and gals that we've had, they've almost got back to us right away, and that's been the best part of this is is their willingness to help us in this quest and, and help others. And I think the feedback that we've gotten from these episodes is that people are listening, that people are taking notes that, you know, go back a couple episodes ago and Kevin Harlan and some of the wisdom that he was able to, to put on us and, and put on the audience and, and knowing our audience, what they want to hear, uh, the, the nerdy play-by-play stuff, along with just how people got to where they got. Um, those, I think that's what this podcast is a good mixture of, of how we've had our guests on and how we've been able to, to get in certain information out of them. 
Yeah, we both had the hunger for broadcasts and you know, were missing it during the spring and the summer of last year. And that was a lot of our guests who were able to spend some time with this that maybe they otherwise wouldn't be able to during the course of a busy season. And just love so much that our first episode with a guest was with Adam Amin talking. I mean, he got we went through the career arc like we thought we would and what we normally do in the first uh, half hour of the show. But, you know, all the technical side of play by play, you know, I remember him talking about football on the radio, baseball on the radio. Those are a couple of things I've gone back to over and over again when I've gotten ready to call those sports because it's such great advice. And that's the main thing that sticks with me about the first 50 episodes of this show. And even I did this a lot yesterday when getting ready for my first SEC Network broadcast. I just go back to certain episodes and listen to some answers from some of our guests because it's the best advice you could possibly receive. Yeah, Adams was a great episode. Joe Davis was super specific. We mentioned the Kevin Harlan episode, you know, even guys in college and and how they deal with being a a home team broadcaster. And it's that resource that keeps on giving. So if you have a soccer broadcast, you can go back and you can listen to Mike Watts, who we had on um, last year. Football, go back, listen to Adam Amin or or Mike Keith. And, you know, it's funny because... When I go through and I listen to a lot of these broadcasts, whether it's NFL, NBA, or or network television, network radio, and you think of all the guys I'm listening to, I'm like, we talked to him for an hour. You know, we had him on for an hour. So it's cool to see kind of the the broadcaster hour tentacles and the amount of people we've talked to and the different amount of fields that we've talked to, whether it's the approach of somebody on network television – the approach of somebody on network radio, the approach, the approach of a hometown radio person, um, all of those different things um, and, and learning so much about specific sports. And, and again, the, the favorite, my favorite part about this venture has been the nerdy aspect of it all. It's a very niche podcast. We know that. We, we knew that when we made it. Um, but if you're if you're a young broadcaster, I guarantee you, and it's not from anything that me or you are going to say. We know, we know nothing. Let's just put that out there. But <laughs> we could ask the right that, questions. That's what we're best at, I think. Yes, we could we could ask the right questions. But you know that I, I at least I hope you know that you're going to listen to a certain ep- episode and you're going to take maybe one or two things away from it that you're going to utilize in your broadcast. And I think that's. That's been a really, really cool part, and and it gets you fired up for a football season. We can have, uh, I don't know how many football guests we've had, Roger. We've had a lot of them, but you could sit there now and go through, okay, one, two, three, four, five. Let me listen through and see the certain notes I can put down before football season starts. And, you know, once you hit October, you can go to the Mark Boyle episode and, and, and run through all the basketball guests, Ed Cohen of the Knicks, and run through all the things going into basketball season. So... Um, if you're doing this and you're calling a sport, whatever sport that is, I think we've, we've had you covered to this point. Well, one of the big takeaways for me, you mentioned the Joe Davis episode, and you know, I thought Joe was so good about you know talking about his charge, talking about what he's memorizing. You know, he talks about it. he does the same process I do, kind of writing out players' names and numbers, and just over and over again until you don't mess it up. You know, perfect practice makes perfect. Um, you know, I thought that was something. But he also mentioned 
you want a headline for every single player. And that's something I've now brought into my football, basketball, uh, you know, soccer, volleyball charts, all of them, top lines of my player notes. I've got a headline that now I've worked on memorizing like he has. That way you can just see, mention the example. He was like, I can look at Roger and say, oh, I met him when he was with the Tennessee Smokies. That's probably one of the biggest things I've taken into my own prep, my own broadcast. What's something uh, you've really taken from these shows? I think it's probably the OneNote utilization of prep. So Microsoft OneNote, it's a program where you can create a bunch of different tabs with players and storylines. And how do you how do you organize all of that? I think the episodes you can go back to. I think Adam Amin had a good one on OneNote. Um, Joe Davis had a good one on OneNote. I'm trying to think of some of the others that have uh, used. Wayne, I know we have more. Wayne Rendazzo, Wayne Rendazzo. and Joe Block, I believe. Yeah, so I do also, Roger, use that uh, the headline at the top of my chart, highlighting exactly, okay, what's that one nugget as soon as that person checks in? What, what am I going to say? And uh, But besides that, to piggyback off of the prep side of it, uh, I would say, how do I utilize OneNote? How do I create ways to make my preparation accessible? Because we can tend to go over the top with how we prepare. Um, but if you don't know where it is or if it's not in your head and you don't have it at the point where it's most important to have it, what good is it? So uh, I think the biggest part that I'm trying to learn and what I've learned through these podcasts is just how to organize your information in an, an accessible way so that you could get it right away. You know, how are these guys, especially baseball broadcasters, I think utilize OneNote the most. And what I've done is I, I do it in just about every sport, OneNote, because I want to make sure I have the player notes on my board, but also I have separate storylines and separate things in, in a separate OneNote um, document. So that's probably the biggest thing I've learned, I think, on a preparation side of it. And, and two, how much film these guys and gals watch to for, mem for that memorization tactic. I think play-by-play -play guys and gals don't, watch film for the X and O of it. I think they watch it for, okay, what does number 15 look like in the secondary? You know, how many wristbands do they wear so I can identify them right away? I think that's, that's another thing too that I've, I've picked up that's been a consistent thread, I think, throughout. I think another one is just broadcasters being themselves. I mean, you get that sense, I think, in every episode we've had that this person, whoever we're talking to, is just authentically them, whether it's, you know, Tim Brando being such a great storyteller, uh, you know, Eli Gold, the way he sets everything up. I mean, these guys and gals have shown their personality, like, you know, Courtney Lyle, you know, wearing a Star Wars, you know, Knoxville t-shirt, you know, that's part of her personality. I think that's the best part for me is like these people who you see on TV, here on radio, they're authentically themselves at all times, and that's what makes them great. Yeah, and I had a conversation the other day, and not to name drop, but with Ian Eagle, who we had on this podcast. And you want to talk about somebody who brings humor and, and a conversational nature into their broadcast. That's Ian. And humor, the humor that he brought, not just to this podcast, but what he brings to every broadcast that he does. Another guy would be Josh Lewin. I think when I listen to him, I think conversational, I think joking. And we, we kind of went into it a little bit with him and, and how he uses his humor on the air too and and has that conversational style because the one thing we try to hammer home is something that I used to do and that's sound like a broadcaster. You don't want to sound like a broadcaster. You want to sound somebody who is talking like we're talking right now and, and 
granted, I'm not going to talk the same way I am right now, like I am on the air. I'm pretty low energy, pretty kind of monotone, I guess, right now. I'm not going to talk that way on the air. But you also want to marry that energy and that excitement with some sort of conversational tone. And I think we've we've seen that through uh, a lot of the conversations we had and, and how a lot of these broadcasters have battled through find, finding their identity um, on the air, which is super hard to do. I don't think people realize how hard it is to be yourself on the air because, Roger, I don't know about you, but the first, I told Ian this, I said the first eight years of my career, I was doing a bad Ian Eagle impression. <laughs> um, and I'm sure it's the same way for everybody. Yeah. And I, I think everybody always says, the guests that we have, be yourself, you know, talk as if you would talk off the air. Mark Boyle is a great example of that. He sounds the exact same right. way as he would off the air as he does on. Um, it, but it's a super, super hard thing to do. And you know what's interesting? Kevin Harlan made such an interesting point kind of late in our episode, and that's one of the best episodes I think we've ever done just because of Kevin, how great he is on the mic, but also how well he explains it, how much of a play-by-play nerd that he is. You know, he was talking about find your favorite broadcaster, find your favorite voices, and try to imitate them. It's something I haven't really done it necessarily in the few weeks we've had since the episode, but I keep going through it over and over in my mind. And also was just uh, re-listening to it a couple days ago. And along those lines, he said, "You know, I'm trying to be John Facenda. I'm trying to be Ray Scott." And he's like, "I still don't like my voice." And that blows me away because yeah. I think he's got one of the best in broadcasting. But, you know, it's a, it was a really interesting point that he made about maybe you do need to imitate just a little bit in, until it's your own. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I think right now, at least me personally, it is still somewhat of an imitation of I&E. I, I don't think you can rid yourself of an entire childhood and, and young adulthood of listening to one voice. You know, when I call a softball game or a baseball game, there are elements of Michael Kay in there because I've, I've year and John Sterling. That's years and years and years of cementing their voices and their style in your head. Whether it's something that you eventually want to sound like, that's something that you iron out over the years once you get a little further removed from that. But it was funny when Kevin Harlan said he didn't like his voice because that's probably one of the most absurd things I've, I've ever heard. <laughs> that was the closest we came to interrupting and being like, uh, no, Kevin, you're are, fine. Are you sure? <laughs> are you sure, Kevin? Yeah. So because, you know, obviously, you know, we listen back to our stuff and, and you know, we hate our voices and yeah, all that. The inner and, and that's that's normal as a younger broadcaster, right? But, um, and, and you know what's funny too, Roger, is maybe some of the work that these broadcasters still do um, you know, I think we put the clip on our Twitter of Kevin Harlan. Essentially, he still grades himself after every broadcast, gives himself Roger a letter grade after every broadcast for a guy who's doing two NFL games a week, could have a week where he does two NBA games, two NFL games, calls the Super Bowl, and he's still giving himself an A through F after every game. I, I thought that was incredible. It really was, and it you know made me kind of kick myself because for the longest time, you know, I would kind of self critique as I do games. I wouldn't always listen back, you know, especially when I was doing minor league baseball in Jacksonville, day in day out. I just didn't have time to listen back to a lot of games, and you know, anytime I think about that now, and I'm like, all right, Kevin Harlan's like 
doing the Super Bowl. He's doing these championship games, NBA, NFL, top college basketball, and he still is as tough on himself as anybody. I think that's something I'm also going to take kind of moving forward is, okay, I'm going to really make sure I'm listening back to every game I do, whether it's SEC Network Plus, you know, Alabama on the radio, any other assignments that pop up, because it is that self-critique where you find some things. I was doing it this morning with a game I called last night, and I think that kind of work ethic, knowing that one of the best in the business is still able to do that, that's an example that all of us should follow. Yeah, and and I think I kind of ran into the rut of, and I think Joe Davis said this too, of listening to your work almost too much. Yeah. And listening it, listening to it, Roger, right away, um, because if you listen, if you don't give yourself that time to be removed from a game, I don't think you're going to pick up as much. Like, I was listening back to basketball games from last year where I noticed I was going way too fast, but I don't think I would have noticed that listening back to the full game right after, which I do. Uh, I think we can tend to get a little obsessive over listening over that uh, our stuff right away which I think is good because you want to be obsessive over it um, and, and being your, your worst critic. I think we all are, but you got to allow yourself to have, I don't know, I guess some sort of positivity on learning. That. Yeah, and a little bit of grace in knowing that, okay, this call may not have been great, but this one was. Or like, you know... You know, if you're out of sync in basketball or football, okay, can you get back to that rhythm? Can you get back to, all right, master the basics? I think that's pretty important to do. And baseball can be really tough because just it's a tough sports call. No two innings are alike. No two games are alike. I mean, just the pace of it is never the same. So, yeah, I always found that when I was really young and did listen back occasionally. It's like, I just, I mean, that was okay. But then this happened in the game. Like, it's tough to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really it's really hard to be positive about yourself sometimes. <laughs> and cuz this is a this is an industry where let's call a spade a spade, you're you're always comparing to other people. Yeah. You know, this highlight was good, but man, I really would like to sound like Joe Davis on a highlight. I really would. But you know what, Kyle, you're not Joe Davis. So suck it up and do be the best you. Yeah. And I think there's a realization for a lot of people in this industry is that like let's focus being the best you that you can. And then maybe one day you get to that spot where other people look up to you, but there's a lot of hard work that goes into this, a lot of self-reflection, a lot of critiques that go into this. And you have to be, while be positive with yourself, also have that ability to be real with yourself. You know, there, there are some people I would say in this industry that maybe could be a little bit more real with themselves with their tape early on. You know, pretty and it's good. Man, it's good to have that confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's really, really good to have that. But also have that ability to step back and say, look, this wasn't good. This wasn't good. Let me make a, a list of five things and let, let me carry that into the next broadcast. Yeah, you've got to find somebody in this industry, too, that can be kind of a big brother or a mentor uh, figure for you that is going to really shoot you straight. Because I think, you know, this show, again, is designed for young broadcasters. And if you're in high school, college, getting your first games, regardless of how you sound, everybody you know that listens is going to tell you, oh, you did great, man. That was so awesome to hear you on there. They're Thanks, excited. mom. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, dad. <laughs> Thanks, mom. You know, uncle, whoever. You know, they're all, it's so cool for them to get to hear you do that. 
doesn't mean you're good, you know, when you're hearing all of that feedback. So find somebody and you can, you don't have anybody, find Kyle and I, you can get, you can Google us real quick. We'll listen to your tape. We'll help you out any way we can. Um, because we've both had people that have been really impactful in our careers that have shot us straight at times. And at times said, you know, I know the outside world is clapping like crazy for you, but if you don't fix this, this, and this, enjoy where you are because that's all it's going to be and um, you know for me I'm thankful that on this show we've been able to have really my biggest mentor Bob Kessling the voice of the Tennessee Volunteers who was that guy for me in college when I thought man I can do no wrong I'm doing everything the right way at the student TV station you know all these little projects I had for the Vol Network and he's like well, you got a lot to work on. You got a long way to go. Uh, and I know for you, there have been people on this show as well that have you know, been mentors for you, somebody you've gone to for critiques that have helped you, and now you've gotten to interview them on this show that's been impactful for you, I know. Yeah, it, it certainly has. You, you have to have the sounding board that is not yourself. You need to have that realization. I think the good part about, and let me preface everything with saying that I don't think I have all the answers and that's why I do this to learn. Yeah. Um, but let me preface all of this with saying that like, it's so incredibly important to be able to have other people listen to your stuff that have, and, and you know, what's so cool is people are willing to help, you know, Mark Boyle, I reached out to him after we had him on and he loves when people reach out to him to, to ask for critiques because man, when you're doing it for 30 and 40 years, you got some wisdom to give. Yeah. 82 games a year plus playoffs. Yeah. You know what you're doing. (laughs) Like, and people are willing to help. Um, there's so many different things and you know, you know what the great part about this craft Roger is, you know, I've been doing this not very long, 10, 11 years, like on the air, which isn't very long, but I'm still, I'm still developing, developing my sound. Like I, I still don't know exactly what I want to sound like on the air. I think over the last couple of years, I've, I've gone into a lower register and that's after a lot of self-reflection. Like, what do I want my sound to be like? So I've had a little bit of a lower sound on the air than I've had in years past, but I don't know. I think what the good part is, is I don't know if you do the same thing. You, you pick a point in time and you go back and you listen to a broadcast a year ago from that time. And you say, wow, I've I've improved so much. Yeah. It's because of the work you put in incrementally throughout the year that you don't know how much that piles on over time where it really does change your sound. And it makes it exciting that this specific craft, whether it's a year's time or two or three years time, you can really polish your sound and be like, wow, I was a different person a year ago just by feedback and and self-reflection and listening and I think that's what the cool part about this this craft is it really is and then I think the game experience helps a lot you know I got to a point after I did you know a thousand baseball games in the minor leagues you kind of have seen everything you kind of have been able to call everything I'm starting to get that way it feels like a little bit as well and uh, you know college basketball specifically I've seen so many different situations and you just have trial and error I mean sometimes things work sometimes things do not work and then you still need to find ways to, even when your call is at its best there's still ways to improve the vocabulary there's still ways to improve the energy and that's what I think 
drives so many of us. You know, that's what sticks out again about Kevin Harlan, why he still critiques himself as toughly as he does, regardless of all the accomplishments and the awards and the great games he's called, because there's still something else out there. You know, people ask me working at Alabama, they're like, well, Nick Saban's got to be satisfied by now. You know, he's won seven national championships. Hmm. He's got the number one team in the country this year. You know, what keeps him going? And my answer is simple. I think there is a style of football, a game of football in his head that he is always trying to reach. He'll probably never get to it, a term like perfection. He'll never quite get there, but the pursuit is what keeps him going, and I think that's perfect for all of us in this business as well. I think the pursuit is the fun part of this. Yeah. You know, especially in the career side of it, moving up. Um, And we've talked about it in our positions and where we are as um, the voice of, of women's athletics at a prominent university and doing some stuff on the men's side as well. Yeah, of course, we, we, we want to move up and we want to do big things and all that. But also, I think some things that we forget to do is enjoy the journey, you know, enjoy where we are. And for those listening, enjoy where you are in the moment. If you're I was and I've told this story before. I was doing Division two college basketball 50 people in the gym one I could see one person was listening and I think it was me because I had it on my phone <laughs> there were a couple of times I think I tried to listen but I think I had to click like through seven things to get there yeah I don't you I can't even remember the it. name of the I get the name of the school wrong all the time that's how <laughs> yes <laughs> I forget it Gregorian court is that it it's Georgian court but oh, whatever. Did, Gregorian's close enough Didi and Gregorius <laughs> The John Sterling, got to get him on too. We will, we will. But I had so much fun in that job because I was doing what I loved. I wasn't making very much money. I had to work a job on the side, but I was enjoying the journey. Um, And I think that's, I guess, the message of this is we want to give you all the tools and you want all the tools to be able to move up in this industry. And if you work hard enough, I mean... I wasn't a kid that was incredibly social, that was in theater, that was, you know, somebody who was born to be in, in front of a mic. I was, I'm the opposite of that. I had to work my tail off to be able to, to do this. And I think if you, if you find a way to, to get that work ethic to say that nothing's going to stop you and muting the television, calling games off the TV, finding an empty booth somewhere in a minor league game to call games. Those are the things that will separate you, I promise. When nobody's looking, those are the things that will advance you in your career. I had no idea I'd be here in Florida. Again, calling Division II basketball at a place I loved, but nobody was listening, and it was a place that really, you know, there, there wasn't a whole lot of interest in, in the broadcast. Let's be fair. But it didn't matter to the people with me because I was putting a decent product out there. I was putting the passion into the product the preparation into the product that got me from that Division II school to the University of Florida. So it does not matter where you are now. You can be in, I love North Dakota, but if you're in North Dakota calling high school football, if you're doing it well enough, people, and you and you network yourself well enough, you create re- relationships well enough, if the talent is there, and not saying I have it, but if the talent is there, people will find you. I promise. But the work ethic has to be there. 
It really does. That's a really good point. And uh, I was kind of curious, maybe you can ask me the same on the flip side. As we go into this new year, both of us called soccer matches last night uh, for me on SEC Network Plus, Jacksonville State, Alabama. I know you had a USF Florida on radio and you got some SEC Plus coming up. Kind of what's your focus? What do you want this next kind of school year, athletic year to be like for you at Florida? I'd say getting better, especially on the television side, being a little bit more comfortable uh, on camera. Um, I don't know if you want me to get that specific in terms of just the broadcast side of it, but um, those are the things that I need to work on, just getting more comfortable on the TV side, being able to traffic cop a little bit better on the TV side. Radio side, uh, I would say, what is my sound? Like, I continue to work back towards that point. What, what do I want my sound to be? Continuing to find that I think last year, you know, I had a little bit of a a lower register How do I find something that maybe is a little bit more conversational continuing Roger to trend in that conversational path to move further and further away From sounding like a broadcaster on the air to sounding like somebody that you want to sit to sit next to at a bar and and listen to call the game and just overall uh, I think the, the biggest thing I would say is on the television side right now, I'm really trying to fine tune um, what my look is, what my sound is on camera, um, really being comfortable with setting up analysts, listening to analysts. I think that goes on both sides, TV and radio, not just moving on to the next point, but actually creating a dialogue that is continuous from listening to your analyst. And actually, you know, I value what they say, but sometimes I just... I don't listen and I'm moving on to the next thing. So those are a few things that I would say uh, that I'm trying to work on. Uh, For you over there at Alabama, what are some of the big bullet points as you head into uh, this new season? I think on television side first with SEC Network Plus, uh, my big focus is just making sure I get the highlights right. You know, you want those, and especially soccer. And then I'm only doing a couple of volleyball matches where there's a point every time. So it's kind of easy on volleyball. It's kind of be in front of it. But on soccer especially, I want to make sure I have good goal calls and I'm always kind of ready in the moment. I think last night, you know, Alabama scored four goals. A couple of them I weren't – I wasn't too happy with the calls. The last one I was kind of happy because I got the player identification right. I thought the emotion was right and also trying to figure out for Alabama soccer specifically how to bring emotion because that has always been kind of a remote broadcast. I know we had to go through a lot of that this year uh, with basketball and some other sports, but that's one that I just know because of the way Alabama's setup is I'm going to be remotely so bring that energy, bring that every single time. Um, and then storytelling. Storytelling is key for television broadcast uh, and not just storytelling for me. And I... It's one thing for me to go through bullet points of a story, but I don't ever want my analyst, whoever I'm working with, to be hearing that for the first time. I want to include them a lot more. And that way, you know, if I do have an antidote on a player, and this is for any sport, I want them to be able to move it forward. There's been too many times where I think I've been selfish or not even selfish, just not sharing some of my prep with my analyst, producer, and director. And then I get into a game and it's probably a radio habit where you can just spring anything out of anywhere and it doesn't affect anybody but you. I really want to do a better job sharing my preparation with my team on television because if I can give a good anecdote about a player that the analyst can take and run with, we can keep getting good shots of, I think that makes a big difference. I think that's what the great broadcasters on television 
television do is, you know, everything is controlled and everybody is on the same page. So that's a big part of it with television uh, on radio, especially with my Alabama football role uh, doing pre and post game, especially the pregame. I still like having everything kind of scripted out, but I just want, you know, the segments where maybe it is just me by myself. And I am going to have a partner again on pregame, so it won't be this way as much. But if I am scripted, I want it to sound a lot more natural. And that's something I just work on, you know, just by reading a book out loud into a mirror is a really good um, you know, trick I learned from John Wilkerson, who got that from John Ward years ago. So I'm working on that as we get ready uh, for September 4th when Alabama starts the year against Miami, uh, hoping to do a couple of demo games on football and kind of get that rhythm back and, you know, learn, take all those lessons we've learned, you know, saying, you know, the right sideline, the left sideline, mm-hmm. not near and far like I have on my current <laughs> demo reel that's online. Yeah. Uh, so I certainly want to improve on that. Uh, you know, basketball, just keep having fun with it and just, you know, uh, be as descriptive as possible. Uh, and baseball as well. I just, I want to take time for description. You know, I, I think there are too many times, maybe it's because Alabama, we have a really quick women's basketball pregame show. I don't have time to do very much to set up the game. But, you know, I used to do things when I was at the D2 level and D3 when I didn't have as much prep, to be honest with you, at that time, I described a lot more. You know, I always said what was written behind the baseline. You know, Maryville was written out or Carson Newman was written out. And it was a, you know, blue with orange lettering, stuff like that. I don't do that enough. I think that adds a lot, especially in basketball. Maybe we just don't think of it the same way we do in football and baseball. Set the scene a little more. That's what I really want to do next in radio um, when I have those basketball and baseball reps coming up this year. And then, you know, baseball as well. Keep finding ways to keep preparing myself as if it is, you know, a major league broadcast. I don't ever want to kind of go into a broadcast cold. And I want to stay the other overarching thing for the year for me. Stay in front of the prep. Too many times, you know, I get to day of and I'm really scrambling. Um, I And that's going to happen, I know. There's just going to be some of that overlap season in November, March, especially when it's going to be hard to do that. But I'm really trying to work hard. I'm making sure I stay in front of all the work that's coming up. Yeah, storytelling I think was a good one, and that's kind of one that I left out. I think, too, how to utilize those Zoom conversations with coaches on the TV side and how to bring in the quotes when needed and working with the team, going using talk back and saying, um, this is when I'm going to talk about this story. This is when I'm going to talk about that. So like you said, TV is such a team effort that sometimes when we're radio guys originally, so you're producer, director, all that on radio. But when you go over to TV, you have to obviously work more as a team, you have to make sure that everybody's on board because if you're telling some soliloquy that just goes on and on and nobody's in on it, then it doesn't make for good television. Yeah, so not. make sure that you are working as a team. Yeah, I think that's really important. So those are some things that we're kind of keeping in mind. And uh, otherwise, for the show, you know, we uh, we love having a guest every week. You know, this is kind of a different week. We've had a couple of best of episodes that I recommend and probably will have a few more of those uh, moving forward. But uh, we've gotten some of our big kind of white whales that have been out there. We've got talked to the Iron Eagles, Adam Amins, uh, Kevin Harlins, Joe Davises of the world. Uh, but there are still plenty that are out there. And I'm really excited to see what's coming up in the next 50 episodes of the show because I know there's a long list of guys you and I both want to have on the show in the future. Yeah, I can't wait. And I just can't believe all the people that we've had the opportunity to talk to to this point and the amount of people that have been available and 
the amount that we've learned, but there's still so much to do, you know, 50 episodes and can't wait for, for 50 more. And if you, if you're listening and you have ideas of, of people that you want us to talk to, feel free to reach out to our Twitter account. And, um, I don't, I don't touch the Twitter account because I'm not very good with social media. So Roger's the one that would probably read that tweet. Yeah, I will. Uh, I mean, there are games like uh, Kyle's like, yeah, I called Florida versus Vanderbilt men's basketball. I was like, all right, I looked at your Twitter. I didn't even see that. Great. Yeah. I got to You know what? Let me add that to the list. uh, What I need to get better at is actually tweeting and utilizing social media as a tool that can help you. I know a lot of it's mostly negative, but you can use it for positive. You really can. And we've used it for positive. I mean, we've been able to get some guests who have seen our Twitter page and, uh, you know, send a DM immediately afterwards saying, hey, if you want me, I'm available. And we've taken advantage of that. So, again, anybody watching, uh, we really look forward to, you know, connecting with broadcasters of all levels. Just uh, let's start some conversations. I believe we have around 1,400 followers now on Twitter from, you know, basically Kyle and I when we started to over uh, yeah. 1,400 people and the show keeps growing. Um, I, I'm just really appreciative to everybody that's watched uh, not just you know people in the business but I know a lot of people outside that aren't play-by-play broadcasters have really enjoyed this show and I'm really thankful to all of them as well and hopefully they can still glean something and uh, have some fun with this because it's been certainly a lot of fun for us yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun ever since that phone call where you you told me hey Kyle you want to you want to start a podcast talking about broadcasting and you know our first few guests we uh we were pretty good out of the gate, you know, starting out with Adam Amin, which still remains as one of the top episodes, yeah. I would say, you know, very super specific. Adam's just such a great guy and obviously very good at what he does, but he's, it's one thing to be great at it, but it's another thing to be able to describe how you're great at it. And that, that was Adam's episode. And we've had so many great guests and, and so many great thoughts and so many great game charts that we've been able to have. If you, <laughs> Watch the YouTube portion of this. You know our favorite part is always being able to to look at the football boards and basketball boards and see how everybody kind of varies in their style. So this has been uh, a great 50 episodes, and let's hope for another great 50. Absolutely. Before we go, all right, let's plug what's next for you. Uh, What do you got coming up this weekend? What are your next broadcasts? So we got Texas on SEC Network Plus, Florida and Texas, is a, that a future SEC game? game. Okay, yeah. not quite yet. It will be. <laughs> that doesn't count in the league standings. Right? So yes, Florida, Texas, that'll be fun. Um, and then um, football starting up. So working a little bit on the Facebook Live show that they have coming up and on pregame with some player interviews and all that, and uh, a lot of radio and TV coming up for soccer before basketball starts. How about you? Uh, this weekend, nothing uh, new except the uh, Crimson Tide Today shows coming back uh, to all of our affiliates across the state, a little two-minute daily show that I do basically from now through April, You know, going through all the different sports that we have. Um, Crimson, Tide, or Crimson Drive is available on the Crimson Tide Sports Network once a week, Thursdays at 2 o'clock. That'll be going to two times a week, uh, kind of an interview-based show with some headlines and some other highlights and cool features around mostly Alabama football. And then, uh, yeah, next weekend I've got a couple of soccer matches, uh, Alabama against Lamar on Friday, and then Alabama against Southern Miss this next Sunday. So be uh, knee-deep in prep, and hopefully we'll have another broadcast hour guest for you. And who knows, there may be some weeks that like it happen kind of for us in the spring mm-hmm. schedule where we got to take a little bit of a break, and uh, we apologize in advance if that happens. But that means that Kyle and I are busy, working hard, making sure that we can uh, keep working the best we can in our uh, respective careers. But still, we're going to always try to find an hour of time where we can uh, connect with some of our favorite broadcasters. 
Yeah, it's and it's going to be fun. And uh, we, we always try to I, we appreciate everybody that stuck with us too, Roger, through that break, that long hiatus that we took in the spring, um, just because we were so busy and we were glad to, to ramp we were it back traveling up in the summer finally. with some great guests. Yeah, that was the yes. biggest part of it. We were both. Tra- I was traveling with Alabama baseball. You were traveling with Florida softball. I mean, it was good to get back to that kind of normal. Yeah, we had some normalcy and and doing that game yesterday kind of it felt normal because there was about, I know, 2000 at USF for that game. I think the football team, the men's soccer team were out there as well. They had the full berms that were up. The the whole uh, chairback seating was full. So it's it's getting to some sense of normalcy and we hope to have full football stadiums as well. And being able for me and you to get the opportunity to call some some demo football games in the fall. I know we, we love those opportunities to continue again. If you're, if you're listening to this, that's, those are the things that you just, you have to do find ways, find an empty place where you can sit at the top of a bleacher somewhere and and call a game into a tape recorder and just iron out some of the skills for sports that maybe you don't get the opportunity to call at the moment. Yep, that's what goes back to the work ethic and drive. You always have chances to get better, always keep uh, grinding to get better. That's what Kyle and I are both trying to do in our different careers and trying to do with Broadcast Hour. But, buddy, this has been fun to kind of catch up and uh, 50 episodes. We have a lot more to go. Just uh, thank you for everything you've brought to Broadcaster Hour, and uh, let's keep it going. Sounds good, my friend. All right, that's Kyle Crooks. I'm Roger Hoover. Thank you for watching this edition, the 50th episode of Broadcaster Hour.